Hey, 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 everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Katie and I have been looking forward to doing this episode for much longer than we typically look forward to doing our episodes. And that's for a variety of reasons, but I'll give you one reason right now. And that is, it's about, well, this episode's about child training and raising children and educating them and teaching them. And Katie and I are becoming more and more passionate about that very subject because we see our young children growing and learning so rapidly. They're, they're still so young, but boy, do they grow up so quickly and they start grabbing hold of ideals and principles and uh, I guess different concepts so quickly. And so we're finding it more and more pertinent in our life to be well-equipped on how we raise up our children and the message that they're hearing from us and from those people that they're around. And so we're really excited about it. I do want to say another thing. I got on iTunes this week and I read some of the last reviews that you kind people have left and they blessed me so much. Katie and I will, it's just, it's easy to like not go to look at the reviews. They're really easy. I don't, you have to be intentional to go find them. And I was intentional this week and went and found them and it blessed me so much to see all the kind things you folks have been saying over there. So thank you so much. Thank you for all the ratings and reviews. And I hope this episode is a blessing, heck, maybe even an encouragement. Maybe you'll even find some inspiration and who knows, some edification from this episode. Hey, I'm Elisha Votberg. And I'm his wife, Katie. Katie and I both grew up in families that were fun, impactful, and relationship rich. Now that we're a family of our own with three young children under the age of three, we're eager to see what God can do through the family unit. We're so excited that you're joining us on this podcast as we dive into what the Bible says about marriage, children, parenting, money, sex, careers, roles, and so much more. Katie, are you ready? Let's go. today is election day in 2020 yeah you're right well when you guys are first listening to this yeah it's the night before it's the night before tonight i mean that doesn't make any sense but whatever (laughs) uh do you want to hear my predictions for the election i don't know i haven't we haven't talked about this at all I just, you kind of like, okay, we've been I'll, making a point to not talk about politics. It's and true. Here we Elisha and I haven't record. listened. <laughs> Elisha and I haven't listened to a single uh, debate. I feel like I get all of my, I mean, like we've read stuff. We basically, our thought process with the politics is we just kind of like do our own research the week of to vote. We don't ideally the day of do all the lead up. Yeah. Like three days before. So that's just kind of how we stay out of it. But I feel like just because of Instagram, people post all the time. So we've talked about a few things, Yeah. but this is my prediction for the election. I feel like this is kind of a big deal. So I feel like I should mention it. Okay. Why not? You've already started. (laughs) I just like skin is crawling. I think that Trump's going to get elected and like the media and everyone's going to hate it. Mm-hmm. And so 2021 is going to be like 
way worse than 2020. Hmm. That's my prediction. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that it is so interesting because there's anybody can win at this point. It seems like from yeah. like the, this very, you know, when it's like a few months before people always talk about, it, it's going to be like a landslide by so-and-so. And then by the time you get to like election day, it's like, oh man, our country is just straight up divided. Yeah. Red they're and blue. Crazy. Every, every time it's just like split down the well, middle. I guess I do feel like if Biden gets elected, the media wants him to get elected yeah. and like Instagram and Facebook and like all the Google, you know, all the big right. people that kind of run the world. Yeah. Amazon. And so I feel like they'll all be very united sure. and like chill out. Yeah. But I think if Trump gets elected, people are going to want to get that guy like impeached. Right. As far as all the big players in America. Yeah. And so I think it's just going to be mayhem. Yeah. So anyways, that's my prediction. Well, and I mean, we I think it is. Shall see. I think it is good to keep in mind that 2021 could get crazier than 2020. You know, people speak to 2021 like it's going to be this alleviation from the pain we've been feeling of 2020. And there's nothing guaranteed there. That's for sure. <laughs> you don't turn that calendar and all of a sudden yeah, the problems go away. Everything erases. It just makes it's an awesome time to be a Christian. I tell you what. That's right. Because I just have so much peace and so much hope and so little concern yeah. about the future. Like I'm just not stressed out at all right. um, about the election. And I think that is honestly, I think it's going to be tough for us either way. Whoever gets elected, that's kind of how I feel going into this election is like, the way that Elisha and I are choosing to live and raise our kids. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's going to be easy with either um, dude as president. Sure. So yeah. I'm just like, well, I'm glad we have Jesus as our king. And yeah. it's more important than ever that we're in tune to how he would have us um, act and behave. Yeah. And, you know, I will say too, Katie, I think that because I feel a lot of peace too, and I've got my hope in the Lord and just, it's really easy for me to have an eternal perspective right now. And I think that we are really blessed based off of the talking to friends and talking to relatives that live in different States and different towns. Katie and I live in a town in a state that is very pro Christians meeting together publicly. Yes. And so we've been blessed since moving to Coeur d'Alene, Idaho to be in really consistent fellowship with the body of Christ. And when I talk to my Christian friends that are in States where it's still very locked down because of COVID-19 and they're not able to meet with their church, they're not able to meet in big groups. Uh, there is a lot more of despair in those areas. And I just am reminded of a hope that does come when we assemble together together as the brethren like we're told to do in Hebrews and we're able to encourage one another, you know, as we see the day approaching, it says, and you and I have been able to do that really consistently. And that's a really, really huge blessing that I don't want to take for granted. Yes. I should say this has been very easy for us compared to the entire world because of where we are currently living. And we made the move because of that. Yeah. Um, as a big, it was a big motivator for us moving. Um, but I, I will say you're right. We aren't dealing with isolation or loneliness, yeah. which are very, very big human. Like if those needs aren't getting met, it's very easy to feel discouraged. Yeah, definitely. Okay. One other thing I wanted to bring up, cause we promised that we would enroll in some kind of marriage something. We did it last week. 
we followed through with something that we committed to, we're As really growing, morning, Katie. <laughs> we're like, oh man, we promised them we were going to do that. So thanks for being our accountability. What did we sign up for? Yeah, we signed up for like the virtual love and respect conference. Yeah, so it was a hundred bucks to register online, but you can watch it at any time. Nice. And from the comfort of your own home. Yeah, I'm sure many of you are familiar with the love and respect. Uh, like, I think their ministry is their ministry called love and respect, or is that just their probably product? Their, their, like their book's really popular. Yeah. And then I think they've branched out to become a whole ministry since yeah. then. Yeah. What? Who? Who are those people? What's their name? I don't want to say the wrong person. Yeah, I forget who it is. Uh, But they're one of, I feel like, the longstanding like marriage ministries and marriage resources. Yet Katie and I have not really read the book or gone through their program. Well, I I have read their book. You have? Whoa. I have. We've actually talked about some of the concepts I read on here, but we haven't done any of it together. I see. So I'm excited to go through it together. Yes, that'll be great. And like hear from you, like is this really how you feel or is this just a stereotype? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Cause yes. there can be kind of that. There are those nuances in relationship. Yes. Anyways. Okay. Today we have kind of a big podcast topic. I feel like we're doing a long time on the intro, but there's just so much to talk about. Well, the, what are we, what are we waiting for? Let's just dive in. <laughs> okay. So we want to talk about, should we indoctrinate our children? Mm. And I think that this is more prevalent than ever just because of the way our culture is going. Mm-hmm. And I know that I get told consistently online, are you indoctrinating your children? Or do you plan on indoctrinating hmm. your children? Or just get criticized for indoctrinating my children? Right. And so I looked up indoctrination, like what does it actually mean? Yeah. And it says to teach or instruct someone to accept a set of beliefs uncritically. Hmm. And so in answer to that question today, when I was thinking through this, should we indoctrinate our children? I put down yes and no. Tricky, Katie. Seems very (laughs) politically correct. (laughs) So what, are you going to expand any more on on your thoughts? Well, do you want me to? Yes, I do. (laughs) Okay. Okay, fine. I will. Um, Well, I was just thinking through this concept and to suggest that you're indoctrinating a child suggests that you have an agenda and you have a bias Hmm. and that you're flooding them with information presented through one angle. Mm -hmm. And I think that the people that say this, like you're indoctrinating your child, Mm -hmm. assume that someone else teaching your child would not have a bias or would not have an agenda. Right. And everyone has a bias everyone has an ideal outcome and a bent and so yes i do have a bias right what i'm teaching my children is i i have an agenda yeah for their souls that's right it's very much through the lens and the framework of we believe the gospel of jesus christ we believe he's the only way to salvation we believe a lot of things about man even that when left to our own vices, we do evil. We create evil things. We are sinful by nature. Where we go, when men go after their own desires, it does not end well. So there's a, a lot of foundational beliefs that we are bringing into parenting. Yeah, and I mean, one like a large reason why we're homeschooling. I mean, there's a lot of reasons, but it's because we believe public schools indoctrinate mm-hmm. our children. Yeah, they have an agenda, and that agenda 
often does not line up with God's word. Yes. And so we don't want to subject our children to so many thought processes and so many concepts with a strong bias and strong perspective that is directly opposed to Christianity. Yeah, and I think that, you know, because secular humanism is the religion of the world. It's the religion of the public school and of our secular society. And if you're going to choose to put your children in public school, I think you have to have the perspective of they're going to a religious institution, and it's a religion that I do not agree with. It's a religion that I do not think is the God-ordained religion. That's the truth that leads to life and eternal life. And if I'm going to choose to put my child in this school, I need to combat that in a very aggressive way, making sure they've got a foundation established at home. I love how you said that. They're going to a religious institution. Yeah. Because it is. And I think so often we can think of it as this passive, non-biased. No, they aren't indoctrinating our kids. They're presenting this this approach to life or, you know, they're just teaching our kids. They're just educating them. When you think of how they're educating them, it is indoctrination because they're teaching and instructing them to accept a set of humanistic beliefs uncritically. That's right. And to say, this is fact. This is truth. And if you do not have an agenda for your child, someone else definitely does. Yeah, they already do have that agenda. Yes. And I love how you said we have to be so aggressive in combating that. Hmm. Regardless of where our children are educated, Mm -hmm. they're going to be educated by the world in some stances. So we have to be so, so aggressive. That's right. And on the the alert for that. Yeah. Yeah. I wrote down, well, I didn't write down actually. There are so many verses, you guys. I really encourage you to go through the Bible and just look up the importance of verses on the next generation and on teaching. The Bible is so clear that we, the parents, are supposed to be the ones teaching our children. Mm. And it's also very clear on what we should be teaching them about. And I'm going to list a ton of these references. We aren't going to get to all of them in the show notes, but I just really encourage you to do a study. Um, I know you wrote down some verses too. Well, are these fi- a fire, fire away on the ones you have. Okay. So Psalm 78, four through six, it says, we will not hide them from our children, but we will tell to the coming generation, the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. Mm. And you skip down a little bit and it says, which he has commanded our fathers to teach their children Mm. that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn and arise and tell them to their children. Mm. I just think that's such a cool verse. It gives me like chills that we are to be teaching and instructing our children mm. in these beliefs. I love Psalm 145, 4. It says, one generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. Mm. Uh, Deuteronomy 32, 7. Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask your father and he will show you, your elders, and they will tell you. This is saying that like, Ideally, our children are brought up in this community where when they're asking these questions, they are getting an Mm. answer through a set of specific beliefs. And Mm. that's through a biblical lens. I've talked about this before on Instagram, but we're all wearing glasses. And it's really easy to look through a cultural lens. But we need to always be looking through a biblical lens. Anyways, there's a lot of them. 
I'm going to scroll through here and try to find my favorites, but yeah. What are the ones that's like when you walk and when you lay down at night, when you walk by the way, did you pull that one? Yes. Out? Okay. Yeah. So in Deuteronomy, there's actually quite a few of these verses. They repeat each other. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so cool. Whenever something repeats itself, the Lord really is mm-hmm. hammering at home, right? That's for emphasis. This is one of them, Deuteronomy eleven nineteen. You shall teach them to your children, talking of them when you are sitting in your house and when you are walking by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. Yeah, yeah. Constantly. And that's so cool, you know, and these are, this is God's word to the children of Israel, his chosen people that, are, and children were born into this uh, belonging to God's people, right? And I think of our state as the grafted in portion, you know, we're the church, we're the bride of Christ. We, I'm not Jewish. You're not Jewish. We are grafted in through the death, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He came for the people that were not a people. I wasn't a part of these people. And I want to proclaim that message even that much more to my children to say that, hey, you know, God came, all these things that God said to Israel to teach their children, it's like as his bride, as his chosen generation, as his royal priesthood or his peculiar people, I feel like the command is like 10 times more pertinent for us to be able to proclaim this to our children. Yes. And I love, okay, I found another one, Second Timothy 3, 14 through 17. It says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Mm. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be confident, equipped for every good work. Mm. So powerful. And I think when people mention indoctrination they're thinking well shouldn't we present all these options Mm -hmm. to our child and let them decide their truth Mm -hmm. but uh, kids see things as black and white and we know this like secular psychologists or is that what you call them that know know like how the brain works they say kids do not develop abstract thought until 12 Hmm. so i think it's kind of insane honestly that we present children with all these options when they're only capable of concrete thought and seeing things as black and white. Yeah. I'd go even further and, and say, not only are they not incapable of abstract thought, like people have discovered, uh, and which is why we are so responsible for teaching them the truth of God's word at a young age. We are there to be the law, so to speak, and to give them the parameter so that they can experience grace. They can see their own shortcomings. You know, Proverbs, what is it? Proverbs twenty two fifteen says, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. And, the, and then it goes on to say, and the rod will drive it, drive it far from them. And again, we're not here to talk about spanking or not spanking, you know, just the, I'm t- using that verse to say foolishness in every child, foolishness is bound up in their heart, heart. And it is up to us as parents through instruction, through direction, through training to show them the way of life, to show them right from wrong, to, to show them uh, the way of life versus the way of death. You know, we're born in these bodies that are only capable of going after our own selfish desires and lusts apart from Jesus Christ giving us the truth and putting it in, in our heart. And I think that as parents, I feel the need more than ever to train my children in the way that they should go. 
And I, and again, that's in Proverbs 22 as well. Train up the child, your children in the way they should go. And when they are old, they will not depart from it. And I think of that word train. That's not just reactionary. It's not just discipline your child in the way they should go or react to your children or correct your children in the way they should go. It's train. That's very proactive. And when you're training somebody or when you're being trained in a discipline, you are being indoctrinated according to the ways of that discipline. And I think of our children and we're called to train them. We do need to show them the way of life through the lens of the gospel. And I love too that you mentioned the truth. In our world, if you're having a humanist worldview, then yeah, you need to present a lot of different options to a child so that they can find the truth, their truth. But God is the only truth. And this isn't, I guess, if if you do, if you believe, which as a believer in Christ, a Christian, we do believe this, that God's word is infallible, inerrant, and that all scripture is breathed by God, mm-hmm. it's inspired by him, and it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training. If we believe these things, then we should absolutely be teaching our children these mm-hmm. things from a very strong perspective Hmm. because there is no other truth yeah i I mean when it comes to you know what i'm saying 100 god is the truth he is and what's crazy is that you never really grow out of having to simply believe god at moments you know jeremiah 17 9 tells us that the heart is deceitful above all things desperately wicked who can know it other versions say who can trust it and As long as we're humans, there's going to come a point when we go, and and again, I want my children to be able to think critically as they grow older and they go into their adult years, but as we are children of faith and there are going to be things that we do not have the answer for when, by, even when we're done living our life, there are so many things I do not understand why God has done the way he's done them or why he's put certain things into place that he's put into place. But at the end of the day, I'm going to trust him. And I want my children to know that, yes, they can challenge things as they grow older. They can question things, but there's going to come a point where they need to believe God. And I love how you're saying that, too, because this is kind of where I started transitioning and my thought process from should we indoctrinate our children? I believe that when children are young, yes, they should only see things through one angle, Mm. which is the truth of the Bible. Mm. And that's really all that they need to learn. But then as children grow up, yes, um, no, I don't think indoctrination is the right word at that point because I do want my children to use critical thinking to be able to know what they actually believe. And I've seen this go very wrong with peers that I was raised with where their parents forced a behavior instead of focusing on their child's belief. Hmm which you can't force belief. Right. And, and so I want to just like say some of these things, I guess that I have seen in Christian communities that have either turned cultish or where women, my age, you know, we grew up believing the same things, being taught the same things. And then we hit puberty and they just rejected everything that Mm. their parents thought, because I think that there is just such a warning in this. Yeah. And as children grow, they start to naturally question things and they compare what they're seeing at home with the rest of the world. Yeah. And this is my where my parents started teaching 
critical thinking. Hmm. And they would say, this is the truth we believe. Mm-hmm. You have to believe it for yourself. No one can force this on you. Your relationship with God is your own relationship. Mm-hmm. You have to figure out between you and him what you believe here. Mm-hmm. And I've seen this go wrong when basically extra biblical things are taught. Hmm. And so some of these are like a false teaching is that specific works are taught is equal to salvation. Mm -hmm. And so kids grow up thinking, well, if I do these things, then I'm saved. Mm -hmm. They're confused on what actually saves them. And then once they get old enough to realize this doesn't save me because so-and-so is a Christian Mm -hmm. and she doesn't wear a skirt that's two inches above her ankle Mm -hmm. or et cetera, et cetera, whatever the the thought is specific works don't save us and they can kind of throw out the baby with the bathwater when they start to think critically there another thing that i've seen really turn off kids when they start thinking critically about their faith is when parents teach that a church's subjective rules are elevated to equality with god's standards Hmm. we can't add things to the bible Mm -hmm. if the lord didn't mention it then we can't yeah, you can have Act, personal convictions yeah. about them and you can have your own ideas about how you're going to live your life in that way. Or your own like house rules. Yeah. Like this is what we do as a family. Right. But it, again, we can't elevate those things to God's standards. Right. I've also seen when a man, pastor, or teacher is elevated to a Christ-like level. Hmm. And whatever he says goes. Hmm. And it's like the word of God. Instead of taking that critically to the scripture mm-hmm. and realizing that all humans are fallible. Right. I think a couple more things here real quick is when outward appearance is valued more than the heart and Mm. children see this hypocrisy. They see, oh, my parents have a perfect marriage out in public, but at home they don't enact any of this. Mm -hmm. Or they want me to dress like this out in public, but at home, you know, whatever. They see the hypocrisy Mm -hmm. and kids see that. Or when parents teach a fear of man instead of a fear of God. Right. I think all these things really contribute all these extra biblical things that we as Christians can get caught up in Mm -hmm. can really be a falling off point for when kids start thinking critically Yeah, because it confuses their faith with all this extra like mumbo jumbo. Yeah. Yeah. I I agree with you, Katie, that at a very young age that you can't expect them to understand the substitutionary death. I mean, I think we can, I think we should teach that for sure. I'm not saying we don't teach the substitutionary death of Jesus Christ and that it's his righteousness that was imputed unto us. And that's the only thing that we can stand before God clothed in. And that's the righteousness of Christ. I want to teach that, but I, I know I didn't, my parents taught me that and I didn't understand that. I could only equate me standing right before God with my behavior, right? As a six year old, if I lied, I thought, man, God's angry. I don't want to die tomorrow. Or if I was nine, I would think those things. And so my comprehension of the gospel grew as my ability to think and I think see my sin for what it was and my inability to live, you know, in a way that actually was pleasing to God in a pure way and that I needed the righteousness of Christ. So I think we should teach that. However, I'm getting to a, a long-winded point here. What you're talking about I think it's a great challenge, and I know I'm so prayerful already about making that transition of being black and white with my children of, you know, you don't lie because God says it's wrong to lie, or you obey your parents because God told you to obey your parents, to that point where 
you're telling them why we're doing these things. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I know that that's been overused over the last decade, but the why behind why what we're doing is so crucial. And I think that even the children of Israel, they, they knew that so clearly. It's like, well, why are we, why are we doing these things? It's like, oh, cause we're set apart. Like we are set apart by God. We're his chosen people. So clearly we're going to act in a different way. They weren't trying to become God's chosen people or to keep their spot as God's chosen people. They saw themselves as God's chosen people. And when you're able to teach the gospel as your children grow up and they see, oh, we do act in a different way because we are purchased by God. He purchased us from the dead. It was nothing that I could do. You know, this happened many, you know, thousands of years ago when Christ came to earth. He purchased me. He bought me back from sin. I'm now alive in Christ. That's why I act this way. And when that, I think having judgment with where your kids are at from a, you know, cerebral standpoint is pretty crucial. Yeah. And I, th- I like how you simplified that right there. Cause I think that when, as I grew to think critically about my faith, I think something that my parents did that some parents around me did not do was that they did not confuse my salvation with my works. Hmm. And I think that that's really what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. If you come um, a cult or kind of what purity culture you know, I'm using air quotes here is condemned for, or, uh, almost any type of Christianity that starts getting kind of a negative connotation Mm -hmm. with people and people are coming out of it really burned Mm -hmm. and hurt Mm -hmm. and confused. Typically it's because the works were seen as salvation, Mm -hmm. not this. There's nothing we can do to make ourselves holy before God. Mm -hmm. We just need to accept his free gift Mm -hmm. of what he has given us. Mm -hmm. And I think this is where the indoctrination thing breaks down too. A lot of people think that like, for instance, political indoctrination or these, these other things, you can control the narrative, but belief in Christ cannot be forced. Right. You just straight up cannot force your kid Mm -hmm. to be saved. And honestly, I mean, I wish you could because it's eternal. You know, I wish you could say like, nope, this is what you're believing because I'm going to be with you in I don't in the sense that I trust God far more than I trust myself (laughs) with my children. Uh, And he is the one that saves. He gives faith. And I, I do think that we pray for our children. We pray that God gives them faith. And we show them the truth. It is. I want my my children to have a very, I guess, you know, a cultivated heart and soul that's ready for the seed of the gospel to take root. Yes, like that's our job as yeah, a parent, right? Is to like prime their mm-hmm. their hearts, or do the best that we can that mm-hmm. way in stewarding them. Mm-hmm. So I just think that belief in Christ can't be forced. Behavior can, and when children are young, they behave by our standards mm-hmm. because we're here to protect them. They're incapable of choosing life for themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to nurse an infant. If a if a Leon's out in the street and we say, come here, he has to obey. Mm-hmm. He can't decide if it's a good time or not for right. him to do that. Right. But when our kids o- are older, I never want them to confuse behavior with belief. Yes. And I think that's something my parents did a really good job separating. They didn't care if we looked shiny on the outside to all the other Christians right. or all the other people in their circle. Yeah. And I remember my mom saying, Katie, you're saying all the right answers, but I don't feel like your heart's in the right place. Yeah. She wasn't looking for a robotic, like, okay, I'm going to tell you what you want to hear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Belief is a product of byproduct of, or sorry, behavior is a byproduct of 
belief, but they are not synonymous. They are yeah. not equal in, in value. One saves you and, and one doesn't. And I do think that you know, we talked about fruits and, and roots or whatever it is, you know, it's like fruits, or no, faith's the root and how's it going? Faith's the root and fruit's the fruit. <laughs> fruit is the fruit. You nailed that one. Yeah, it's the root and the fruit or whatever. Uh, faith oh, is the root. Works. Works are the fruit. Right, right. And um, and I think that, again, it's, I know that that, uh, human beings, we, we're so prone to seeing just things as cause and effect. It's like, no, I do something, then I get a reward or I get a penalty for it. And to realize that our salvation is based off of what somebody else did, and we believe that. And then fruits do come from that, and behavior does spring forth from that belief. Yeah, and as we are teaching our children, I think this is something that the world confuses when they see Christian parents teaching their children from the Bible. Our goal as Christian parents is not conformity. It's all about impacting our children for eternity. Mm-hmm. And this has way bigger consequences than them living out their lives here. Yeah, or appearing righteous before a group of people. or Yeah, yes. or just doing like, air quotes again, like what Christians do. Right. You know, like right. I don't have a desire for my children to walk out all these christian morals right and not be saved that's right that's that's so not my desire yeah i mean us as humans we're the we're the fruit judges right we sit around we judge other people's fruit all the time you know we see other people how they're living their life and we can't help but critique and analyze and kind of comment on other people's behavior that's saying as parents i'm just saying as humans that's what we do and so sometimes we'll train our children according to through those lens like okay how's their fruit looking how do they come in across to other people? And we only see it from just our worldly eyes standpoint. And that's not how God views people at all. You know, he's looking at the heart. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like you stop kind of abruptly, so- abruptly, abruptly. Sometimes I'm not prepared for the halt. Sorry. I do uh, stop abruptly. Sometimes. <laughs> um, I think of that verse, Proverbs, uh, Psalms, Psalm 1. Don't sit in the way of the sinners uh-huh. or sit and don't bless the man that walk not the nor standeth in the way of sinners nor sitteth in the sitteth. seat of the scornful. Yeah. But his delight is in the law of the Lord and yeah. in his law doth he meditate day and that's night. Right. You guys, that's what someone who is not a Christian will take as indoctrination. Right. It's saying, I am not going to listen to these people. Right. I'm going to make an active choice to not listen to their perspective or their point of view because it does not serve me. And day and night, I'm going to be meditating. I'm going to be thinking. I'm going to be memorizing this scripture over here. Yeah, we're straight up told to do that. It also We're also told that the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. And so to sit under somebody that has said there is no God or God is dead or humans are the, the highest of all things that ever existed, uh, you're sitting under a fool, according to the Bible. And like what Katie said in Psalm 1, we are told here to not sit in the seat of the scornful, but instead to meditate on his law day and night. And so I think something that I just want to leave you guys with and that I think hit me really hard when considering this topic is that our children are being indoctrinated. Hmm. This is not a, are they, are they not? Should they, should they not be? Our children are being indoctrinated. Yeah. Who's doing the teaching? Right. Who's doing the point of view? Mm-hmm. Often if you follow the goal of the teacher, you know, 
us as parents, our goal is eternity Mm -hmm. for our children. But often when you look in the secular world, you'll find that like what's taught in schools or what's just taught in general often has more of a goal of money, power, conformity, social acceptance. Yeah. There are a lot more base drives. Right. And just to remember that we have Christ's heart for our kids when it comes to eternity. And if that means that people judge our parenting here on earth, Mm -hmm. so be it. Right. So worth it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's again, I mean, our, our children, they trust us, they love us. And we've got so much, I guess, grace from our children. I love that they start so young where they just love us and we can tell them, this is what we believe. This is the truth. And then we're able to come to them when we've wronged them and when we've wronged each other and to be able to exemplify humility and grace mm-hmm. early and often in, in our parenting, I think is such a blessing to your, ch- to, to your children. Well, I think that that's so important. It's like pivotal yeah, or crucial. I don't know. I always say pivotal and I don't mean to pivot. I know that is. Yeah. It's well, like quintessential. Well, pivotal is pivotal the same as pivoting? I guess it'd be I the same like word. I feel like it'd be like a root word. It's pivotal, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I get it's the same word, but but basically, it is so so important. It is for we're lack gonna, of a better word. We're gonna learn some new words this week. <laughs> Tune in next well, week. I forget so. what I was even trying to say. Oh, just like that humility. I guess something that it's so humbling and it's so frightening that we have. We're judged by God for what we teach our kids. Hmm. So this isn't, oh, we're just going to teach you whatever we want to teach you. That is a huge weight of responsibility on us as parents. Hmm. There's that book in, there's not that book. There's this verse. I'll link it in the notes, but it's like, if you lead, if you teach a child the wrong thing, yeah, it's better than a millstone be tied around your neck yeah. and you're thrown into the ocean. Right. So we don't say this lightly like, oh, yay, we're the, we get to tell our kids whatever we want and they trust us and believe us. Like this is a huge responsibility. And it's something that ultimately I really, and I appreciate Elisha, I watch you do this, just seek the Lord for wisdom Hmm. because we cannot do this in our own strength. Yeah, I mean, we, like you said, Katie, we are soberly going about this, but if you think you're avoiding the responsibility of teaching your children by not proactively bringing them up in God's word and you're dropping them off at somebody else's doorstep for them to do the teaching, you still are the one that's held responsible for that. And that is you teaching. You're telling your children, hey, go listen to this person. You drop them off at the doorsteps of whatever the academy is. You're telling your children, go learn from this person, taking what they have to say. So the responsibility cannot be shirked. It is there. And so we treat it seriously. Yeah. So with that heavy note, have a great day, guys. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you all for listening. Yeah. I hope that you were encouraged or some some thoughts respond. And I know that this was just a really sobering and encouraging thing for me to go through because I do think that, again, regardless of who gets elected today, culture is going in a direction that is opposing God. Mm -hmm. And you're probably going to get a lot of people calling you out if you're teaching your children the Bible for, they're going to call you a lot of things. Yeah. And it's just important that we, that we know why we're doing it 
and and stand by that conviction. That's right. All right. Talk to you guys next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.